Growing a small business has never been easy. So, how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to the conference room. Good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. I'm joined by Heather Palivka. She's the founder and head of Heat Solutions, an employee engagement consultancy. Um, Heather works with progressive leaders of small and mid-sized businesses to create work environments where people thrive by addressing workplace culture, breaking down silos, optimizing ways of working, empowering frontline managers and improving employee engagements. And I'm delighted that she's joined us here on the conference room. Good afternoon, Heather. Good afternoon, Simon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. That's great. Thank you so much for being here. So every hero has an origin story and you're the hero of our story. So tell me, how did you get into being an employee engagement consultant? And tell me a bit about Heather P Solutions. Yes, I found my way to this because I made probably how most of us find our way into things by complete accident and error, personal error. Earlier in my career, I was recruited away by a former boss to join a new company and set up. I was a marketer by trade and helped set up their marketing department. And I was so excited because I loved this former boss and the work sounded super exciting. So I just like jumped in with both feet. And when I got there, I discovered it was quite the toxic work environment. Like every don't in the book was going on there. (laughs) There were some really amazing creative people and that had lots of ideas for how to turn the business around and how to make it work. But it was like everyone was just dead in the eyes. You know, their input wasn't really wanted or needed and they've been sort of beaten down by the culture. And so they were just surviving at work, showing up, doing what they had to do and going home at night. And even myself, I would come home and my husband was like, you're not quite, you know, the person who left the house this morning. And so like many of the people there, I ended up leaving and moving on to greener pastures, as they say, but it's what set me up for the next thing that came for me in my career. I was recruited and asked to bring my marketing expertise, but to apply it to the area of people and talent. You know, in marketing, we've got a very consumer-centric mindset, and we think about how we convey information and help people to take action. And that was one of the first areas of a business to think about customer experience. So when I was recruited by United Health Group, I was asked to bring that mindset to current employees and future employees to work on culture and employee engagement and the work experience. Had I not had that really unfortunate uh, little work period in my life, I wouldn't have been open to translating my marketing skills into such a different and unique way. And I spent 11 years reporting into both the chief talent officer and the chief marketing officer, impacting culture, engagement, working with acquisitions to do culture integration. And I found I loved that. Right. That's amazing. So tell me, what exactly is employee engagement? What does that mean? Like it's a really good buzzword, but what does it really look like and mean? The way I like to think of it, it's sort of that discretionary effort. You know, you can have a company and you've got an objective and you have a customer, but is that employee going to go that extra mile to service that customer in a way that has that customer go, wow, and want to come back? When you can create that sort of experience for your customer, that only happens when you have employees 
employees who are really committed to delivering that kind of outcome with your customer, be it with a product or a service or addressing an issue. And in order for employees to be bought in and have any interest in giving that sort of extra effort, they have to actually be experiencing that for themselves. They have to experience being valued and that their leadership and their work environment is set up to give them the wow so they can pay it forward to customers. So I think of engagement as that discretionary effort to create that wow with your customer. Okay. So are we talking about making employees feel more engaged with the business or having employees engage more externally? I said, are we talking about something that's more internally focused or externally focused? It's really both. There's been a number of studies by the McKinsey's and the Gallup's and the everything. And the list that they identify is anywhere between seven and 12 areas of the employee experience that can create an outcome called engagement. So you can't technically do engagement. You can't just say, hey, go the extra mile. Be engaged. Woo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You have to create an environment that then has the employee want to be so engaged that they want to go the extra mile. And whether it's seven or it's 12, the list includes tangible things like what's their work environment, which right now is a big question right now, right? With work from home, hybrid work, it's the technology they use. Does it help them or hinder them? Does it make their lives easier or harder? Whether they feel valued and they could feel valued through you know, compensation is not the only way. It's also, does their manager acknowledge the great work that they do? Are their ideas heard? So when we think about that employee experience, it is both external things and it's also the internal things that combine to have an employee be engaged. So if somebody was looking to determine whether you want to call it a problem with employee engagement or their employees are not particularly engaged, What would you say are the primary symptoms of an organization that doesn't have good employee engagement? Well, we're seeing one of those symptoms right now, whether you call it the turnover tsunami or the great resignation, a lot of businesses right now are experiencing that we have not seen in over two decades. And the interesting thing is it's not even expected to peak until we get later into this fall. So turnover for sure is one of those indicators. And especially right now, what we're seeing is a lot of what we call voluntary turnover, meaning the employees initiating it. Layoffs and firings are actually at very, very low levels. So it's a lot of people saying, I'm out. That is a very strong indicator of low employee engagement. Also, if you're having problems attracting people, when you think about it, the companies that are known as great places to work, you know what happens? Their employees tell everyone that they love working there. So they get an influx of referrals from the family and friends of the people who work there. So they don't have to work as hard in terms of, in fact, they probably have to invest more in screening out people than trying to screen in people. So if you're having a hard time attracting people, that's probably a good sign that there's something that your employees are saying to their family and friends that maybe they're not quite telling you in the annual survey, but check your online ratings that on Glassdoor and Indeed, it might be there. So those are two signs. I think also absenteeism, the lower productivity, you know, you just can feel that people aren't like contributing to the level they could. Those are also signs. Is there a difference between employee engagement and employee satisfaction? Would you say the two terms are synonymous? If somebody goes, yeah, I think my employees are quite satisfied. They're happy here. Is employee engagement entirely synonymous with that? Or is employee engagement that plus other factors? 
it's really the plus. They're very similar. And so for a long time, we saw employee satisfaction surveys. Yeah. You know, we've all been satisfied going out for dinner. And then there's the difference between being delighted when you go out to dinner, right? Right. When you've got exceptional food, that exceptional service. That exceptionalness tends to happen when there's a strong engagement and buy-in and commitment to the experience. So satisfaction is better than not being satisfied and it's better than being disengaged. But the reality is when we look at employee engagement and it's been tied in stories and studies to higher profitability, productivity, greater innovation, higher quality, that only really happens when you hit that engagement level, not the satisfaction. Right. Okay. So if an organization is experiencing the challenges that you just outlined, struggling to attract people, the employees don't seem to be particularly motivated, no one's really going the extra mile, high turnover, people kind of punching in, punching out, you know, like we used to say, it's a nine to five job, but people are washing their lunchbox and starting the car in the parking lot at 10 to, right? So that's clearly an organization that has an issue with employee yeah. engagement, okay? So what would you suggest the initial steps that organization or the leaders of that organization would need to take in order to address the challenge? Well, I'm going to say, first of all, the leadership has to authentically be willing to take on the challenge. And I say that because don't we all want like great results without having to put in the work, but creating a great place to work and where people can thrive, it takes some intentionality. It takes a level of commitment. And quite frankly, it almost always requires some growth mindset amongst the leaders themselves. So the first thing is, I think, just having a personal reflection moment as a leadership team and say, are we really committed to this? Because it's not a journey for the lighthearted. So that would be my first thing that I would put out there. So um, identify you've got a problem, decide you are actually going to fix it. Right. Right. Because we all have problems in our lives that we just can't be bothered to address. <laughs> right. So I think that commitment is important. The thing I always start with is the information is there. What I see is nine times out of 10, it's traced back to what I call, there's this gap. There's a gap between who the company says they are and how they're actually being experienced by employees. And that gap, because then employees join thinking that, you know, they're joining a company that's really innovative. And then they're given workplace practices, like you've got to be in the office Monday through Friday, and we're going to have a lot of hierarchy and traditional top-down decision-making, which to them doesn't align with this idea of, oh, I joined an innovative company, and yet the way we're functioning is very not. So that is an example. And I actually had a client where that was the example. They were going to be a disruptor to the industry. And so they attracted a lot of people who loved that idea. I mean, they wanted to think out of the box. They wanted to break all the rules and they were up for it. And then all of a sudden, as the company started growing, they started putting in workplace practices. And not that these practices themselves are a problem, but if you've just attracted a lot of people who want to break all the rules and disrupt an industry, and then this was pre-COVID, you tell them they need to be in the office Monday through Friday, eight to five. That's not how disruptors work. <laughs> it's just not. Interesting that I had a conversation with a colleague of mine and actually funnily enough, actually today, we were talking about toxic work environments and we were looking at what exactly is a toxic work environment. And she just came up with the most brilliantly succinct, clear answer. She said, a toxic work environment is any environment that doesn't suit the individual. Right. It's basically say, that's a toxic environment. It's an environment that's got rules and procedures and authority. That might be ideal for someone. Yes. 
you know. But you know, it's exactly you're saying. So clearly, or what you're suggesting is that an issue with employee engagement may be that you attracted a lot of people promising them environment or culture A. Yeah. But then it either wasn't that and you were lying or just unwittingly misrepresenting the organization when you hired them, or you allowed these other cultural factors to evolve into the organization and it really created culture B, which for those people that don't want that is a toxicity. Exactly. And it's just not a fit. And so then there's a gap between the expectation that was set and the reality that is experienced. There's a lot of leaders who don't actually know what the values of their organization are. And if you don't know what the values of your organization are, and you don't know how that's defined, how can you possibly lead inside of that? How can you make decisions inside of that? How can you go about your work and your prioritization inside of that? I've seen where innovation to one leader looks like a Lord of the Flies exercise. And to another leader, it's this collaborative process that we're going to bring people in from other departments and get diverse perspectives. Which one's right? Well, the question is, how is it defined as the organization? And if the organization, either one, hasn't defined it, which also happens, or two, nobody knows how it's defined, that's how you get that second scenario you were talking about, that these other factors come in and shape the culture kind of unwittingly and unknowingly and all of a sudden you thought you were a but you're really you know b <laughs> so do you feel that a lot of the challenges when it comes to workplace and workforce engagement is down to a disconnect between what the company thinks it is and what it really is yeah i would actually put it down to two things because they're the two gaps that i see the most the first is this one that we've talked about that is so common and we all let's face it even as individuals we like to believe we are are a certain way. And then how our family and friends experience us might be just a little bit different than that, right? So now you put a lot of people together and we have that, <laughs> we have that issue. So that would be the first gap. But then the second gap that I see, even for organizations to find it really well, is it doesn't translate into how a leader on the front lines actually can lead. It's not tangible. It's not actionable. It's very theoretical versus, no, when we talk about this, this is what we mean and what that looks like. And here's how you use that to lead your team meetings. Here's how you use that when you're interacting with employees. So the second gap I see is not making a culture and even an engagement strategy, not making it tangible and actionable so that it reaches into the very front lines of the organization. Right. So what does success look like? What are the advantages in kind of real practical terms of having an engaged workplace culture? It's what the studies have said, and, and we are seeing that. It is that it accelerates growth because you have everyone sort of rowing in the same direction at the same time. Innovation, because when you have that kind of environment, it unleashes the ideas. It's also then generally a safer place to try and maybe even potentially fail. So it unleashes innovation, which ultimately leads to higher productivity and profitability. So it's actually really, really good business to have a great place to work and unleash human potential. And we see that in companies. There are startups that have just grown dramatically. Lessonly out of Indianapolis has grown by leaps and bounds and they are fully virtual and they're not having problems filling their roles because everyone's talking about what a great place it is to work and 
how they value people. You look at companies like Bumble. Bumble as an app is very clear about who their customer is. So they're very clear about the talent pool that they need to support and serve their customers. And just two weeks ago, announced some amazing benefits that are very much designed around women and family needs and really breaking the mold as far as benefits offered by a lot of competitors. So we do see those examples. And my hope is, is that the samples start becoming less the exception and more like the rule. And here's the thing that I think has happened during COVID in particular, is now employees are saying, I am no longer going to tolerate, you know, the mundane and <laughs> I've learned what I value. I learned what it feels like to be valued and that's what I want. And that's why we're seeing this massive turnover and resignation is because talent is saying, I get to choose and I choose to go someplace that matches, you know, my values and that values me in the process. Yeah. That's amazing. And that really is. So what's next for Heather and for Heather P Solutions? What is next for us is we will continue doing the work that we've been doing with culture and culture integration and making it tangible and actionable. But the other thing is going along with that tangible and actionable, we have only one out of every three managers and companies are even trained. So you look at managers and they're 75% of the reason someone leaves a job is because of their manager. And the highest driver of variance between teams on their engagement levels is their manager. And yet only one out of every three even gets training. So we will be launching very tangible, actionable, bite-sized training for frontline managers at the end of September, beginning of October. Wow, that's exciting. And if people wanted to work with you personally or work with Heather P Solutions, what's the best way for them to do that? Go to our website, heatherpsolutions.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Heather Palitka. That's great. I'll make sure that we post the links to your social and your programs in the show notes below. Heather Belivka, thank you so much for joining us here on the conference. And this has been a fascinating conversation and it's really opened my eyes towards the concept of employee engagement. And I'm sure everyone that's listened to it has certainly got food for thought and some ideas as to how to make their business more productive and a more engaged place to work. Heather Belivka, thank you so much for joining us on the conference room. Thank you, Simon. Coming up next week on the conference room, I'll be talking to friend of the podcast, and award-winning podcast host, Paige Killian. A really important thing to drive at home is really just making sure what you choose to podcast about is something that you can eat, sleep, breathe, and live on the regular. So if you are considering starting a podcast about something, you need to be fired up about your content. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, plus links to the resources mentioned during the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you subscribe so that you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Also, please take the time to review the podcast so the more people who want to grow their businesses can find us. To talk about this or any other podcast, or in fact, anything business-related whatsoever, find me on Twitter, at Simon Lader, or you can find me by searching for Simon Lader or Silesia Academy on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks for listening to the conference room. Until next time, keep talking.